You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Hey, hey, welcome to Renegade Rules. It's Jeff Johnson. I'm I'm on the phone with Heather Shoemaker, and we've got a special guest. Heather, who's with us today? Yes, we have a guest, um, Jessica Alexander, and she's talking to us from Rome. Although, don't get excited. We're not going to talk about Italy. We're going to talk about Denmark. She's the author of a new book um, about parenting the Danish way. Well, when you when you want to talk about Denmark, you call Rome. Is that a traditional thing? Or are we <laughs> Very traditional. So, hello, Jessica. Welcome. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jessica contacted me, and um, I don't know what country she contacted me from, but we have such similar, similar philosophies, and who knew that, that Denmark was a renegade, like our renegade role, so we're thrilled to have her, and um, you've written this new book, um, I know you married a Dane, so you have first-hand experience about Danish um, parenting and Danish culture that way. What are some of the things that you are most excited about, about sharing with um, other countries who are raising kids about how, how the Danish do it? Well, I think, um, well, first of all, I was I was inspired many, many years ago before I had children just by seeing the kids in Denmark and how serene and happy they were. And, um, and I wasn't a maternal person back then, so um, I remember thinking that if I could get a guarantee I'd have a Danish child, I was ready to sign up for motherhood um, immediately. So I knew that something was going on uh, different in Denmark. And then many years later when I had when I had my children um, and I noticed that I was deferring to all of my Danish family and friends' advice for parenting uh, versus all the books I was reading. And, um, uh, you know, I, so I, I knew I was using the Danish way, which, which, which I will explain in a second. But it was when I saw the happiness reports that Denmark uh, for 40 years in a row has been voted voted as the world's happiest people, as one of the world's happiest people. So I, I put two and two together and realized that it must be the way they're parenting these happy kids that grow up to be happy adults, which is giving them these great results. And why that's so important is because the Danish way is, you know, it's talking about a lot of the things you talk about in your book, which is um, the importance of free play and, and, and not over-programming kids' lives. Um, not you know enrolling them in a million activities and and things that we we as parents have proof that they're learning something um, right um, so I so I think but and I understand why we're in this loop um, as, as an American right I, what's what struck me was living in Rome and I've lived in different countries um, I suddenly began to see myself not just as a parent, but could see myself as an American parent and how much the American culture was affecting what I thought was the right way to parent. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting to take that off for a second and and try seeing things through a new lens. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, which I think is extremely powerful if parents are able to say, is to realize that a lot of the things that we're driven to do for our kids is very much affected by our culture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and why that's interesting as well is because as Americans, we're, everybody wants to be happy. We're on the search for happiness. There's a million books on happiness. And yet here we have this country who's cornered market on it. And I think that in itself is kind of a, a measurement that would be interesting for us to look at and, and look at those parenting practices and say, hold on, maybe, maybe this does work. Mm-hmm. In raising happy kids. What are some of the painful ways you realize that, that your perspective as an American adult was sort of shadowing how you parented? Did you have any, oh, this is, oh, I shouldn't do it this way moments? Well, it was, um, I remember well, my husband used to tell me how much he played when he was little. And my er- initial reaction back, uh, you know, many, we've been married 17 years. So my original reaction was from my American perspective was sort of, I thought he had negligent parents. I thought, well, what, what else did you do? You know, weren't you in, you know, role enrolled in activities? Um, so then when I had kids, of course, you know, I saw my sister and my, and some of my friends who were, their kids were doing all these activities and they, oh, she loves to do these workbooks and study. And, and I felt this pressure that, gosh, I need to get the, I need to get enrolled in things, you know, at three and four. Um, and it was it was precisely that was maybe one of those first steps where I realized, wait a minute, that's so different than what they're doing in Denmark. In Denmark, their a parent's number one priority is that the child plays, not parental led, but that the child leads their own free play. This is seen as crucial to their development, not optional. So that's one area I would say that was like a big eye opener. So o- over here, it seems like we're we're scared of that. If we're not, if the kids aren't in programs, if they're not in activities, if they're not they're not always learning, they're not getting a leg up. They're going to fall behind. They're going to this or they're that. And so we we have this this fear based um, foundation for what we what we base a lot of our our childcare and parenting practices on, don't we? Yeah, and I think so much of it is be, if we if we don't get a grade, if we don't get a trophy, if we don't get a certificate, if we don't pay for some kind of course, we don't believe they're learning. And that's where I think the biggest, you know, uh, mistake is a strong word, but that's where I think it really does go wrong. Again, if we look at this, these happiness reports, this is what we really want. You know, we want kids that have self-esteem and self-confidence and play is teaching that. But it's so difficult for us because we don't get a certificate from play. We don't get a grade from play. We don't get proof. Certificates of play. We could kind of combine the Jessica, Jeff, and Heather certificate. But you know, Heather, I think people will do that. I yeah. think that's the next step. My, I've written an article about this. I think the, what's going to happen is the more we realize, you know, there's more and more research coming out that's proving the importance of play. And whereas in Denmark, since 1871, it's been considered an educational theory. It's not like just, it's not just a, a lazy choice. It's, it's really important. And I think the more we see this coming out in the research, I guarantee you, you will have schools sprouting up where you can put your kid in to do free play that you pay for and you can get a certificate where, you know, they learn empathy and negotiation skills. Um, and then maybe parents will feel better about it. That's my fear. Yeah, that's, that's your theory. We'll that's see. sad. Uh, trademark on that idea, by the way. I just got <laughs> 
We got that one. <laughs> so um, speaking about happy, because you were emphasizing how happy the, the country of Denmark is, can you um, talk for a moment on is it because they're aiming for happiness like the American, the, the, the pursuit of happiness, or is happiness a byproduct of emotional learning that the kids are doing? Happiness is definitely a byproduct. They are not seeking happiness. And and actually, most Danes think think the book is completely like they don't understand why people even think it's interesting because it's so this is so normal to them all of the things we talk about in the book things like for example the fact that they actively teach empathy in schools and uh you know all of the free play and they're very honest with their kids about very difficult subjects that would be difficult for us i would say um well, many cultures not just americans but you know they're very open about death and sex and uh they're not afraid to read unhappy endings to their kids so a lot of these things combined set kids up to be more resilient they don't get shocked by life's ups and downs they're more empathic which we know creates more happiness social connectedness um so i think it's just a byproduct mm-hmm. it's not something they're seeking you give us a glimpse into the class that teaches empathy. <laughs> yeah, what's that look like? I can give you two examples. Um, one is from preschool. So in preschool already they have national programs in place where they, they show little kids pictures of other kids' emotions. And they have them describe them and and talk about why they feel that way and maybe what they can do to help. So already in preschool at a national level they are learning about how to conceptualize other people's feelings, which is which is quite Im- impressive. Um, and then another way, when they're older, which I just wrote an article about this actually, they have something called Klassenstima, uh, which means it's the class hour, and they have this once a week, all the way up through age sixteen. And that for that hour, they meet together to talk about what's going on in the class. I don't know, like an emotional level, if there's any problems, you know, how, and the teachers trained to sort of help them talk about these problems, and especially to help them understand why the other person feels the way they do. And they do this an hour a week, every week, for almost their entire schooling life. They even have a cake that they bake especially for this hour that they eat after they do this talk. So... It's, you know... So empathy becomes sweet. <laughs> so it is, yeah. It's just a piece of cake, literally. Uh-huh. So we're, so we're, we're going we're gonna to talk the... about our feelings and eat cake? I, what, could, <laughs> what could be, I mean, what could be better than that? Well, you know, it's, I think what it is, is it's setting, it's setting them up as adults uh-huh. to really try to understand other people. And that's, that's yeah. the crux of empathy. Um, that's the aim is to, is to not just think about yourself, to really, truly put yourself in the other person's shoes. And, and we can teach this. Uh, And and just think if we just took an hour a week to, to, you know, to work on those skills, I think it can make a huge difference. So, Jessica, I've seen some of, uh, sort of an American version of some of this. It doesn't come with cake, and it's not (laughs) once, once a week all through the school years. But I have seen in the younger grades, a, a school social worker type person come in and try to focus on emotions with younger children. And it's usually everybody sitting down and, and they're squirming and they're supposed to be maybe looking at the pictures or talking about feelings. And it, it always seemed when I've seen it in the American schools, a little bit 
missing the mark, and I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure, um, you know, how you do that. Do you ha- can you give an example of, because obviously the kids aren't free playing at that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're having a structured time. I also wondered if you had examples of how families do it at the family level rather than having um, it done in the schools or preschools. Um, we, definitely with language use. So, so part of the, me learning what the Danish way was, I learned Danish, which was not an easy. Oh, so we have to learn Danish in order to be happy. To understand, yeah. Uh oh, did we lose oh, you? Oh, I think we lost somebody. Jessica, Feed children oh. that they're using a lot. No, 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 no. We we lost you for a are second. You there? Oh, are you there, Jessica? We lost oh, you for a I'm second. Here. Okay, I'm here. Okay, yes. Can, um, we lost you for a little while. Uh, if you can talk about. You're saying it was the language thing, how families... Right. Well, what I, what I mean is absolutely we do not have to learn Danish. We can do this in English. But what I became aware of is how much they're using empathy in their language with kids. So, um, so our language is a choice. And we can help our kids try to find the meaning behind behavior when something goes wrong. I think sometimes we could have a tendency to label, uh, you know, if, if my daughter comes home and tells me something that happens with another child, maybe I could say immediately sort of judge, you know, oh, well, that sounds mean or, uh-huh. you know, that sort of thing. And and what the Danes do instead is they try to help, help the child sort of maybe understand why she might have behaved that way and not label as a, as a you know, uh, as a negative and they give a negative label and instead say, maybe she was tired, you know, sometimes when you're grumpy, you know how you can act sometimes, you know, difficult when you're, when you're tired. Uh, so the language we use with our kids already in the house, uh, it can, can, can foster empathy. Mm-hmm. That's one example. Yeah, well, all that, all that free play actually gives them something to talk about as well. I mean, here in the States, when kids are, are constantly, constantly being lectured to or, or talked at or, or teachered at uh, by adults, and then you, you try to talk about, about the relationships and interactions with other people, well, they haven't really had any between the, between the screen time and the, the adult-driven sit-down-and-listen-to-me time. So that, that play Absolutely. is, that the, play the is play, a huge plays, part of it. Yes, it's a huge part because kids, they want to play with each other. And what's, what's been so interesting for me on this journey about you know let really allowing all the free play and and even observing it sometimes i'm i'm actually amazed how much they are negotiating with each other and how much kids are also learning empathy on their own because they want to play the game so you know if someone gets bossy or you know they're dealing with all of the same things we deal with as adults yeah and they're and they're very capable of working these things out themselves so i i feel sometimes you know my role and and also i think this is again inspired by this danish way is when they do have problems or they do experience difficult kids it's helping them try to understand the other person rather Mm -hmm. than labeling them yeah So what else should we? What else? What other taste of the book can you give us? Because um, my my goal is for all of our listeners to go out and buy the book. Well, my favorite, my favorite, I think the most interesting aspect, which is really, really different and really Danish, and I, I think we will hear this word more and more because it's it's bringing up a lot in the UK now, and I, I think it's going to hit America as well. Is hygge. So this is something I write about. This is the last chapter. Um, Hygge means cozy times with people you love. And it's an extremely Danish core value. Uh, it's a verb. It's an adjective. 
And while superficially many people describe it as making a cozy environment, having candles, having nice food, um, you know, having a nice environment together, what I've learned over the many years of experiencing it is what huga is, is a psychological space that you enter into with your loved ones. It's a safe space where nobody has to put their guard up. So imagine you're entering this psychological space, and at the door you leave your negativity, your complaining, your work stress, your bragging. Uh, you leave all anything that could put someone else on guard at the door. And for a time limited moment, or t- you know, a time period that you decide for a dinner, a barbecue, a lunch, you all sort of agree that this time you're going to be together in a drama-free environment. Everybody helps out, so not one person gets stuck doing all the work. And these moments, keeping a kind of sacred moment for your family together, is so life-altering because it's the, the people that benefit from it the most are the kids because kids absolutely love spending this drama-free time together with their family. Uh-huh. Um, in the book, there's a huga oath, which you can talk about with your family so that everybody kind of knows the rules. And basically what it is, is you, you have this time where you decide for this time, it's we time, it's not me time. And you can tell uplifting memories, you know, there's, we all have so many good memories, but we, sometimes we don't talk about them. Uh So you can talk about good memories, playing games, uh, Danes love to sing, um, I'm not sure we're quite ready for that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's very hugely. Uh, anything that's, that's, that's connecting and in this safe space. Mm-hmm. So if we want a huga, how often do the Danes typically do this? Well, for the Danes, it's, it's so natural for them because they grow up doing it. it it's, they, they don't have to even think about these rules. It's kind of a known thing. You can see it's like, oh, okay, we're having this dinner now. It's it's who get, you know we're going to be hooging now, um, whereas with with my family with my American family so we took the you know we look, we read the oath and they know all about you know the concept and and we sort of defined like okay this is we had a barbecue and and we did and we we were able to have this very nice t- connected time together where. There, there was no negativity. There was no gossiping. There was no complaining about cousin Bob or, um, <laughs> and you you know it was at first it was a little bit strange because it was different. We weren't used to not having a controversial discussion or not going into a debate about something. But then once we got past that, it was so lovely. And now we've done it enough times that it's becoming even the normal thing that I'm doing with my American family. And like I said, I just it, the, the people, it feels so good, you know, to spend some time with your family where you never have to put your guard up. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, so it, maybe Hugo will start catching on all over the place. Now, imagine imagine that in an early learning setting. I I was recording another podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we were we were talking about uh, uh, rules that uh, caregivers are dealing with in early learning programs, and somebody uh, shared a story about. Uh, working in a program where they were not allowed to have physical contact with the kids. Now, I'm not talking about sitting on laps and hugging. I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about not allowed to touch the mm-hmm. the preschoolers in their program. And and there seems to always also be a push in a lot of programs here in the states for for not building 
relationships with the children because, well, that's so personal, and we don't... Uh, and it seems like that would be the polar opposite of what you're suggesting. Yeah, I mean... Um Again, this is who is more, you know, the adults would have to take the lead on this. Uh-huh. The kids just enjoy, they just they just enjoy being around their family yeah. when everybody's just getting along. I mean, that's just the best thing they can possibly have. Um, so, uh, you know, I think bringing Huga into the classroom, that's that's a whole advanced level. I, if we can just start with our with our immediate families, yeah. I mean, we're already going to be cooking with gas. You well, know? yeah, because Cousin Bob, I mean... Pfft. <laughs> leave it, leave no, it. but it's it's amazing yeah. how we get into these family to get gatherings, right? And it's it's either somebody bragging or you know somebody complaining or gossiping or you're bringing all your work stress yeah. to the table. It's just it's like it's just our it's our culture, right? It's yeah. it's normal. But there, you can talk about that stuff every other time of the day. Uh huh. But just all we're talking about is just for this period. And, We're and gonna make it a safe space. And do you think the Danes did th- started all this as a culture, just as a natural evolution, because they live far up north where the winters are long? I don't know, actually. I mean, it dates back a very long time, uh, Huga, for the Danes. So it's almost just been part of their sort of cultural development. Uh, you know, just as we have a very different cultural development as Americans, why we are more individualistic, a more kind of you know, I win c- competitive culture. Yeah. Uh, so we all, all cultures develop differently. So, uh, but I think this idea of huga is something that, um, if we can implement it, even an hour, a, you know, a week back to that hour a week, mm-hmm. or you know, any time. What's great about it is, no matter what's going on in your life, this is what I really noticed. Whether you have a bad time in your life or whether you have a good time in your life, what's great about huga is you're just there to be. In that moment, nobody cares whether you're in a bad moment or a good moment. And so that, like, allows this safe space that no matter what's happening, you can always go to your family. Like, it's not, for me, sometimes if I'm having a bad time, maybe I don't go to my family because, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, so what's nice about it is it, it, it allows families to stay more connected. Yeah, and because, not non-judgmental. Yes. So are you finding... Um, uh, are you finding that Americans, American audiences are lapping up the Danish ideas or are you finding that sometimes another country is thinking, well, that's okay for them, but it won't work here? What, what, do, you, what do you find is the reaction you're getting? I, I've been, it's the over, it has been overwhelmingly positive generally. Um, of course, there are some, um, there's some, I, I feel really sorry, for example, for, for the teachers. I, I feel sorry for a lot for the, for the educational system because of the incredible amount of testing that's going on mm-hmm. and how many, how many people, what I say is how many people want this and they want to make a difference. I mean, even the, the, the woman who did the audio for the book, she, she, she reads a lot of parenting books and she said, my God, finally, some common sense. This just makes sense. And and you have all these people that actually want to implement some of these Danish ideas, um, but they but they feel they feel trapped because their jobs are requiring that yeah. you know they're having kids tested at four years old or I mean these kinds of things. So I would say it's been overwhelmingly overwhelmingly positive, but there's where it's it's a difficult thing because educators are wondering how can I put this into schools and still do my job? Um, 
And then, of course, there's the there's the side of the no ultimatums chapter where, um, you know, spanking has been illegal in Denmark over 20 years. So they they raise their kids in a very democratic, non-physical way. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's a huge that's a huge controversial topic in, in America. Um, so there's been a little bit of, let's say, controversy around that. Yeah. But otherwise, it's been really positive. Well, good. Yeah, we've got, I mean, systemically, um, it, just the short time we've been together, it sounds like a, a lot of the stuff you're talking about would be really hard to build into our, our high-stakes, high-pressure testing environment that we have starting in toddler rooms uh, because you got to be ready for those tests in uh, third and fourth grade. So it, it's, not that, it's a challenge there. But it sounds like something that families can do, and when families start changing, then they become the power behind the schools. Yeah, because exactly. We have to stop feeling powerless, I think, about that. You're right. It, the system isn't designed for this kind of um, setup. You know, emotion, social, and everything. Learning is just not uh, hugely valued in our culture. Exactly, but yeah. More we can ripple out that effect and, and and start making good changes. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that um, you know, for example, things things that we absolutely can do, and and what we've seen is this this community that started to grow, with also like your book and my book and some of the other books that are all basically saying the same thing. If we as parents can chill out, you know, if we as parents can stop judging other parents and and helping each other and say, guys, let's let our kids play. You know, let's start. Let's start trying to, you know, uh, scale it back on all this pressure. If we help each other as parents, then that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just turning down the heat a little bit, taking the taking the pressure cooker off of the uh, off of the burner a bit. Um, yeah, it, because our oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I mean because they our our kids are mirroring us. So when we're stressed out, feeling like we have to have them in all of these things and prove to somebody else that our kids are are getting that edge, you know, they, that their kids are just mirroring that stress that we feel for them. And they really kids also just want to feel good when they're not performing. But we're not really giving them that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Je- Jessica, I know we've only got you for a limited time. You got you got other stuff to get onto, but uh, uh, as we wrap up, I'm wondering if you can tell us where on the interwebs we can send people who want to know more about you or get the book or read articles. Where 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 are you online? Okay, you can find um, all my articles on jessicajoelalexander.com. Um, we also have a Facebook, The Danish Way page, um, and you can buy the book on Amazon or any of the online channels and bookstores across America. It's all over the place. Um, hey. So again, the book is called The Danish Way of Parenting, mm-hmm. and if you're fascinated by how other people do it in other countries and how we can all collectively get better at this amazing thing we're doing, um, get Jessica's book the danish way of parenting thanks guys hey thank you for joining us jessica and uh, uh it was a pleasure I'm, I'm glad we could glad we could get the technology work out and out when's your happen. book about the the italian way coming out oh here. my goodness <laughs> you're gonna have you to hold the whole series as you move from country to country. you know the that italian way <laughs> i think the italian way is going to be the book we we that's going to be how we don't do it oh <laughs> Oh well. Oh my! You, and on that note, <laughs> you, no, you, no, I'm, I'm joking. I, but it, but it, it, it's, it's been interesting how, in, how inspiring it is to see all these different ways that people do it, and they, every, every culture believes they have the right way, uh-huh. you know, and uh, they're so different. 
Well, I, you can't tease us like that. We're going to have to have you back and talk about the Italian way. Um, okay. It's going to have to be another episode. Hey, this has been Renegade Rules. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Hey, you want to support all the Upstairs Studio podcasts? It's as simple as this. Use our Amazon link when you shop Amazon. We get a small percentage of what you spend. You don't pay any extra. You get your stuff from Amazon. Everybody wins. Where do you find the link? Well, it's on the Explorations Early Learning app. You can find it on the Explorations Early Learning website. And if you don't find it in those places, just get a hold of Jeff on Facebook or via email, and he'll hand-deliver it to your inbox. Thanks for your support. Bye-bye.